Hello, and welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Joe Lalo. And I'm Andrea Pearson. And for all of you with audiobooks or thinking about creating audiobooks, we've got a great guest for you this week, Victoria Gherkin from Podium Audio. And we are going to be asking her about audiobook trends, whether they're seeing better results going exclusive with Audible or wide, and what their successful authors are doing to sell more audiobooks. Hey, Victoria, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got involved with Podium, formerly Podium Publishing, for those who haven't heard, and now Podium Audio? <laughs> Podium Audio. Um, sure. So I, I joined Podium in 2016. Um, I came from a uh, publishing background. I had worked for uh, Random House and uh, Knopf in New York as a subrights person, and as a, um, as a publicist, which was quite the thankless task. Um, not one I enjoyed, uh, but I loved publishing and I'd had a kind of a break in my career. And, um, I had a, a friend reach out to me and say she had, she was connected with one of the co-founders of Podium, James Ton, and they were looking for somebody to do acquisitions. And didn't I do something like this? And I did something like that. Um, but I, yeah, so I hooked up with, um, James and Greg, his co-founder, uh, and there were six of us basically, um, running, uh, running the business. And I did, uh, all the acquisitions, um, including some of yours, Lindsay, thank you for your business. Um, and, um, and then five years have gone by and we have, um, We've had outside investment in the company two years ago, and we have been on a, on a growth trajectory uh, since then. Greg is still involved in the business, um, as a, as a shareholder and as a um, board member, but from like a day to day operations standpoint, he is, he is, um, you know, not, not really involved. Um, and we have a, a new CEO who maybe some of your listeners who, if they're podium authors have come across Scott Dickey, who's a great guy. And he's really leading the charge um, on where Podium is going. And as of the beginning of this year, I was made publisher as well as being head of acquisitions, uh, which just means I, you know, do more of what I've always done, which is kind of have an overview of the business and, you know, make business decisions around audiobooks, what we publish, when we publish, how we publish those kinds of um, kind of publishing decisions. So it's been, I've, Loved it. I love Podium. Love our authors who are fabulous. Uh, love discovering new authors uh, among the indie community. And it's been, um, it's been a lot of fun. It's been great. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. Yeah. Now you probably have more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels like one of those things that, you know, it's, it, I was doing it, you know, you do the job and then you, kind of wear the hat with sort of feels like that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's been great. We're now having been like six of us, we're now over 20, uh, on the team around various spot parts of America and Canada, uh, with a core team in LA and, and we have a great new marketing team. We have a head of marketing that Scott brought on board and, um, a couple of his colleagues. So we certainly, very happy to talk about um, what we're doing on the marketing side um, when we get there. 
Excellent. Because I know everybody, including myself, is always wondering how to sell more audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just to clarify, are, are you guys still primarily sci-fi and fantasy oriented? Yeah, I mean, that is the bulk of our our library and the bulk of our acquisitions. Um, we, ha- we are doing more uh, mystery thriller. Uh, and we have uh, probably quarter of the list is romance. Um, we, we don't do, you know, it's kind of literary fiction or sort of the, the kind of general interest fiction so much. I mean, I, I think it's a reflection of what indie authors are writing, um, is, is a lot in the, in the, in the genre fiction areas. It's what's selling, you know? So, you know, what we, what we tend to publish that's, is what tends to sell. So that there's a, there's a, there's a causation and correlation between what indies do and what podium does. I mean, we do some nonfiction. We actually have a amazing selling book on Bitcoin right now, which is a very timely acquisition last year and it is uh, selling extremely well. Um, so where we find evergreen nonfiction content, that's either just, you know, again, kind of, um, you know, lifestyle, psychology, you know, things that we think people are going to be interested in over the long term, then, then we'll do some, some nonfiction too. We actually have a book about gut health coming in the fall. Now that is always a concern. That's going to be it. I was going to say a page turner, but I don't know if there's an equivalent for audiobooks. It's got a pretty fun cover. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Please see it. <laughs> uh, all right. So you mentioned that you're, uh, you do acquisitions for, for Podium. How exactly, mm-hmm. and I, you sort of went into this a little bit, but how exactly do audio publishers like Podium seek out new authors? Well, we have a, we have a few different uh, ways of, of discovering um, the authors that we publish. I mean, one, one clear path is, is agent submission um, and also other publisher submissions. So we have, you know, relationships with, with agents who send us, you know, authors that they represent for audio consideration. Um, some of those could have titles that are already on the market or, you know, they haven't been published yet. So that's, um, that's one way. And um, then we might sub-license rights from, from a publisher, usually smaller publishers, because the trads now pretty much do all their own audio and they're not sub-licensing anything. Um, so that's one way. The primary way is what we've always done, which is just stay really close to what's working on Amazon and, you know, mining also bots and our authors keeping an eye on our authors and then who other titles that are in our, our authors also bots and kind of looking at performance. I mean, generally with a new author, we would want to see the ebook land. So it is, it is a rare occasion where we'll take on, um, you know, have incoming, we get incoming inquiries into our website, which we read all of them. Um, but if it's a, usually we'll want to see something that's on the market. So and we have a form and it's like, here's your name and, and send us the Amazon link to your, your book. So we're not, we're not really open to, you know, uh, taking a flyer on somebody who sends us a manuscript and says, this is amazing. Oh, please publish me. That is not something that we 
really do. I mean, it's just not something we can really assess how it's going to fit in the market. So we take a very market-oriented approach. Then we have, of course, our authors who we already have under contract. They might have new material. They might have a new series that they offer us or, you know, that we, that they may forget to tell us about. And then we see it and then we're like, Oh, we'd like to do that. Um, so those, so we've got our legacy authors, you know, who we publish repeatedly. Um, and then, you know, we've been looking at a lot of the new platforms, um, tapas, you know, serial publishing platforms, um, Royal road, has some amazing stories getting written there. Um, and some, you know, Royal Road authors have come over to us and are enormously successful in audio. Um, our top seller right now is in that category, Shirtaloon. Um, that is, you know, what was the number like 11 book on Audible yesterday or this week with the launch. So that's been, um, and that's book two. So, so they're, you know, writing in serial, um, and then bundling up the episodes and doing some editing and proofing to make sure it's ready to be a book. And then we're, um, we're doing the audio. All right. Now this is a, like you, you mentioned, like once you start working with an author, you tend to, you, you, you obviously at that point know, have a better idea of how their audio was going to do and how their book mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so have you ever had a, like recruited an author uh, and then sort of went after some of their previously published stuff? Uh, like just because obviously the better selling stuff is going to be the recent stuff. But have you ever sort of mined right. their back catalog as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've done that. Uh, it always, where there's an author with, um, with a new series and they have, have an older series, we'll do, we will want to do the, uh, the newer one first. Um, but in some cases we'll acquire both and then do, and then already have the other one, the older one in production, because we we're confident that the new one's going to go and, and then the older one will come along. And we've done that on numerous occasions, um, with, with authors. So yeah, not, not always. And there are some older series that just cannot be resurrected, unfortunately. So I think a lot of uh, indie authors who do well with eBooks are sometimes disappointed when they jump into audiobooks and just kind of struggle a little bit with marketing. And it's really a whole different atmosphere with the credit system, especially on Audible. What are some of the differences that we should be aware of between eBooks and audiobooks? Yeah, it's not a it's not a certainty that if you have killed it in eBook that the audio is gonna fly. I mean, there are, I you know. I can think of several examples where it's an amazing selling ebook and it just didn't work in audio and it's got a great narrator and it's, you know, it's got all the things, it's got a great cover and it just, for whatever reason, it didn't work. And it's hard to know exactly in, in those cases where it is a really great selling ebook, it's even more baffling. Like, why is this, why does this not find an audience in audio. Um, but there are, there are definitely cases where you can say, okay, that there are reasons that things didn't work. I mean, obviously one is length. Um, so where authors think I've got a 75,000 word ebook in space opera and 
I'm going to make an audio book of that volume and it's going to be okay. Well, it's probably not going to be okay because what will sell for $3.99 as a Kindle or appeal to people in Kindle Unlimited will probably not sell for $15, which is of course a credit. And I know you, you have probably talked about credit worthiness till you're blue in the face. And I'm sure everybody listening is pretty familiar with that, but it's a, it's a, it's a pretty plain like economic situation. I mean, it's an audible dominated model and having a, having a volume that doesn't say I'm worth $15 is, is a challenge. So, you know, what do you do with your 75,000 word book? I think you do what we've done with you, Lindsay, you know, we've, we did, we've done an omnibus or we are aggressive with, um, adding upsell. And I know a lot of authors have uh, bonus material. You've got short stories and novellas. So we'll put a novella in the back, um, as bonus content, just to kind of create, not to kind of actually, actually create more value for the package. Um, because, it's got to sell for more money. I mean, it's, it's kind of, a, it's, it's pretty simple economics. And, you know, sometimes it's the not, you know, the narrator isn't the right fit. And certainly that's what we focus hard on is really good casting and the right casting. And we have experts in that. And I think it's also, you know, some authors will, you know, think they're, they'll just pick the same guy that somebody else did in the same genre and it doesn't necessarily work out as well. So having, having some casting expertise, I think is also a part of why our audiobooks do really well on the whole. Um, so those would be a couple of big factors, obviously the cover. I mean, now I, I covers generally are, are much more sophisticated than I think they were even, you know, four years ago. So uh, you don't really see a lot of very unprofessional looking covers go out. I, I don't anyway. I mean, I generally see, don't you, do you think, is that, am I, am I just missing, missing covers? <laughs> I feel like in, in audio, most of the, most of the covers on indie stuff look, look good. They do look good. Yeah. There's a much bigger, uh, support, you know, a lot more cover designers, a lot easier to find covers than there were 10 years yeah. ago when we got started. You used to have to like go on art and try to find some artists who would have no yeah. idea about cover design or fonts or anything. So. Right. And putting all the important stuff in the bottom right-hand corner on Audible that then gets covered up by the banner. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we do, we always, you know, consider the cover afresh when we're, when we're, publishing the audiobook. I mean, we don't just assume that we're going to adapt it and we, but we do a lot of adaptations these days. I mean, we definitely, we probably used to do 50, 50 originals and versus adaptations. And I'd say it's maybe 70, 30 now, probably with, you know, 70 being adaptations. So I've also seen it the other way where people who sell maybe okay in ebooks will actually kind of blossom in the audiobook market. And I don't know if it's just, if length is probably a big factor, if there's like epic fantasy or some epic space opera, but have you seen any of those where you've taken someone on that, you know, mid-list author and, and they just blow up in audio? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've 
uh, that's my dream, right? That's the goal is to really um, do wonders for, you know, somebody who's, who's kind of on the, on the middling side. If we can really make a difference, um, that's magic. And we, and, and yeah, we definitely do. We definitely see, see it that way around where, and, and just like, because the numbers are so much bigger on the audio side. I mean, you have to, you don't have to sell so many units to make that much more money just because you're, you know, you're getting, it's a higher revenue. Um, so just on the revenue standpoint, even if you forget about what the royalties are, if you look from a purely gross, uh, gross revenue standpoint, then, then the numbers can be really big. That's pretty encouraging, you know, cause I mean, authors, they're like, I don't know. It's, it's just the chance of something going really, really awesome, really big in audio. If it hasn't an ebook is not really high, but it's the same when authors go really big on Nook, but on not on Amazon, you know, it does happen. And that's just, it's kind of fun to think about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's when that happens, I think it has been a magical combination of, uh, the narrator and the story, like something there's been some alchemy in that, that has made the audio really, really amazing. And that, so, and then it's, we've managed to get it some marketing and it's come on audible's radar and then they've given it like a big push and that will, that's what it takes. It just, needs sort of that extra push down the hill. And then once it, once it starts getting amazing reviews and it gets some momentum and, and the, the market kind of takes over. That's kind of what's happening with my, um, listeners know my last series kind of flunked, you know, flopped, which was, yeah, anyway, just not a fun experience. <laughs> but the audio book has been doing very well. And, um, like the number one comment I'm getting is that my narrator's voice is sexy <laughs> and it's a fantasy, you know, but like they, you know, the number one comment is that my narrator totally nailed the personality. And I'm like, I might, I don't know, like I wasn't going to finish the series, but I'm like, I might actually finish the series because of the audio book <laughs> it's doing well. Go. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that was, that's kind of the case with that book where, you know, it, just needed the right person, the right voice behind it. But so I have a question. Um, it's kind of loaded depending on what you, how you, your stances and everything, but what are your thoughts about AI narrators and where their future is concerned, especially when it comes to other distributors, all the distributors and everything. I know most of them, all of them are pretty much against it right now, but kind of feels like it's going to happen. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, the, the technology is nearly there. Um, I've, I've heard some samples, um, of, of AI voicing. I, I mean, it's not amazing. I, I mean, it, it would probably work for a computer manual or, something, or like, you know, something without much nuance. Um, but it's, it's pretty good. Um, that, and that's just kind of, um, computer voicing. That's, that's sort of this generated, voice, like, do you want, you know, someone with an English accent, someone American accent, but I think another, another issue, and, and that will take away, you know, narration work from narrators. If you can have, you know, it's like a, you know, in a production line, 
um, having a robot do things. It's like having a robot do those things. I think there's still a lot that you need the human narrator for. Um, but the interesting thing that's happening is, is kind of, is then actors having their own voices, like be in a generate voice generation system, which if they can control that, like if the, if the actor can actually control what happens to their voice, then I, I, I mean, I, I think that's a kind of progress. I mean, if, but there's a lot of caveats there, right? They, they, you know, you, you hear about deep fakes and like the bad things that can happen by use of technology. But if, if a really, really popular narrator can make more money and not have to work so hard, I don't see that as a bad thing for the, for the voice talent, but it has to be somehow, I don't know how it's going to be controlled and, you know, and parceled out (laughs) and not abused. How is it not going to be abused? (laughs) It'll be interesting though, if like they do figure it out and then like you, you'll hear about likeness rights sometimes, like when they make a video game, occasionally they have to sort of make a character that doesn't look like the actor that represented them in the movie because they couldn't get likeness rights. And it'll be interesting that like now sound alike rights will be sort of be a thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, interesting. The future as always continues to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. There is a lot of of work for narrators. So I don't. I, I this 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 part of the um the the space, like the voice acting work, is is booming. So I I, I think right now there's plenty of work to go around. All right. So uh, audiobooks, like all forms of books, tend to have their place in the reader's routine. And thus, when those routines are disrupted, it can affect how the books are consumed. And the entire planet is currently having its routine disrupted by uh, the last couple of years, uh, the last couple, the, the last year, thanks to COVID. Um, have you seen any input, uh, impact on audiobook sales? And has it changed how you do business at all? So we, um, as I, I, I can't remember if we were talking this before we went live or after, but Podium has always been, uh, well, for the most part remote. So just from like a functional standpoint, we didn't really miss a beat in terms of um, functioning. Um, our team that's in LA where we have our office, we're obviously like not in the office anymore, but you know, everybody work from home and we have uh, our narrators are all over the place. And for the most part, they have home studios and where they didn't have home studios, we help them get set up. And so the lack of, of studio facilities was also not really a problem for us in terms of like sales. We haven't seen any impact, any dip. We've only seen growth. Um, so that that's been completely fine. Um, audible has told us that they did see a change in listening patterns. Um, they, you know, the, the drive time, the commute times were not, was always heavy listening. Um, but that was obviously not happening, but then people were listening at different times of the day. Um, and I, and they, I think business books took a hit. Um, but other, but you know, there was plenty of nonfiction books that did really well last year and were sitting on the top of the leaderboard. Um, but fantasy, you know, escapism, romance, like the, the types of content that we do 
remained very popular. I, I think people just needed to plug in their headphones and escape from their children, possibly, for like the two hours. <laughs> and then there was your Bitcoin book, which and our Bitcoin really book clap and amazing. yourself on the back. For I am. That well, one the funny thing is that that uh, the author is such a nice guy, and I we've been kind of going back and forth and kind of laughing. I mean, clearly, the the sales of his book follow the uh, value of Bitcoin and Dogecoin and all the rest of it. So he he takes a very very philosophical approach. But yes, it's been doing very well. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I actually expected things to be take a big hit. I was just assuming all the commuting people and road trips would not be happening. And I know our podcast took a hit that first like March last year. Mm. I was like, oh, this is not going to be good for audio. But I also found it to be just fine. So that's great that you guys uh, also really didn't see it come down. Yeah, I mean, and, and even from the you know from the acquisition standpoint, like I was thinking, gosh, does, is this going to be a disruption with people's ability to Right. And, and I'm, I'm trying to think back. It's such a blur, like March to, well, to today. It's all been a blur. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was kind of a slowdown. We, we did, we have, may have had a little slowdown in the summer when there wasn't, it didn't seem to be quite as much kind of hitting the market, um, for us to, to, to go through. But other than that, I mean, people have been back on track. I mean, yeah, life happens. Some of our authors, unfortunately, you know, got COVID. Nobody has died, thankfully. Um, but it's, and yeah, they might not have been able to deliver on time, but they've been ultimately open. So that's good. Um, so, you, you know, we talked about you guys do sci fi and fantasy and there's a little mystery and romance, it sounds like. Are you seeing any trends in those genres that are kind of taking off right now in audiobooks? Um, it's funny, we're seeing a lot of, um, like alien, alien and, and romance. Like there's a lot, it suddenly seemed to come out of nowhere. Um, so we've had a bunch in the pipe and we're now just kind of coming to market with an audit with an audio. So we'll, um, you know, it's doing really well in ebook and I hope it, I hope it does the same um, in audio. Um, sorry, that's my husband now grinding the coffee for, um, tomorrow because it is like bedtime. <laughs> sorry. Can you hear that? It's so embarrassing. Um, I, I, I tell you a big one, uh, progression fantasy. That is, that's certainly what we're seeing, um, in, from the, from the serial writers. So from the Royal Road guys, um, and gals, it's that sort of storytelling, I think lends itself very well to that platform. And that is people love it. And then they also love it when it's turned into a book and then when it's turned into an audio book. So I'd say for me, that's been kind of the, the, the biggest, like noticeable trend, um, kind of portal fiction, obviously lit RPG game lit, which, which I think actually progression fantasy is very much a, an offshoot of game lit, but it's not so, you know, stats heavy and kind of crunchy and I think easier to consume. So the kind of lit RPG from, you know, three or four years ago has kind of, to me, I think it's kind of morphed into this sort of, um, progression fantasy. And then of course, um, 
I always say harem and I get, I get corrected. It's harem, apparently harem. <laughs> um, so that, and I'm sure you guys have seen that too, that that's been ongoing as a trend. Yeah. Harem, uh, by the way, coffee yeah. grinding is like tame compared to dogs barking and kids screaming, <laughs> which my kids scream and Lindsay's dogs bark. So coffee grinding is totally okay. <laughs> It's, 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 the, it's what gets, it's the blood of life. How can we function? Without it? That's what we need to get up in the morning. Okay. So going off of Lindsay's question, do you see many trends that simply don't do well in audiobooks, like something that would do well, well in ebook, but that does not do as well in audiobook? Um, I would say I, I really, things that skew younger. So, um, th there's still not, like a lot of young people. And when I say young, I mean like teens, um, and children, um, consuming audiobooks. So where we have stories that are kind of younger appealing. So we do, we publish, um, like schooled in magic, Christopher Nuttall series. And, um, you know, uh, we've got a, other dragon kind of things. And maybe, I mean, Lindsay, kind of yours can be on, on the edge of kind of YA, um, skewing that will want to make sure appeal to adults, which they do. I mean, that, so that's the, the borderline. But if, if it was something really, really YA, like, you know, very young characters, I'm not talking about Twilight, but something, even younger than that, like diary of a wimpy kid or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Something genuinely a children's book. We would, I, that I would not see that working unless it was like Rick Riordan or, you know, somebody really who, who sells tons. And, and it's interesting because a lot of, you know, even like the business books that we look at, it's, it's better for us to look at the performance in like print versus the Kindle edition, because that's the edition that's selling. That's the edition that will tell us that this has an audience. It's not necessarily selling in Kindle, but it's, it's selling in, um, selling in paperback, which is sort of unusual for, for genre. So those, uh, and I have to be honest, like, um, um, kind of urban fiction's tricky. Like it's, it's, I don't know. It, I don't know if they're too short or, I, that's a, that's kind of a challenging genre we I found. That's really great. Cause that's pretty much what I, are you saying like urban fantasy or Sorry, urban fantasy? Urban yeah. fantasy. That's, that's yeah. what I write. So I'm like, but yeah, which is funny because like, that's the book that's doing well in audio that didn't do as well in ebook. <laughs> Just like, so that's the thing, but, he's but got a sexy the... voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Shane East, is it? No, his name is Gary Bennett. And we've actually interviewed him on the podcast, but the comments I'm getting, like people are, I'm, people are messaging me saying, Oh my gosh, this guy's sexy. And I'm oh like, gosh, this that's great. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Urban, urban fantasy is, is one of the, it's sort of, it's, it's been tricky. And I don't know if it's because people who love that genre love to read. Yeah. That's the, that's my general theory on it. It's sort of a, a particular genre that real whale readers like, and even some romance can tend to be very difficult in audio. And especially when it's like 
really raunchy. I mean, we do some raunchy romance. Like we do like a, what I call not your grandmother's romance. Um, but when it, when it plays with the edge, which can work in um, like, you know, consent, dubious consent and where there are warnings of content that, that, you know, that's something that may not work in audio. Like it can work on the page because you as the reader can bring your own sense of what you're willing to engage with to the page. But when you've got it in your ears, you can't really skim it. Like yeah, if you, yeah. if it's, you know, if it's upsetting you or, or if it's like too much, I think the, the audio can be too, um, yeah, it, I, I don't think it works. It could, it, it works on the page and it doesn't necessarily work in the ears. So, okay. So how do you, um, advise authors who write these, like write those kinds of genres, like the urban fantasy or the younger market or the erotic and things like that? How do you advise them to approach audiobook publishing? Um, I mean, I'm not into, you know, self-censorship, um, or any kind of censorship, but if you're thinking about, um, the market and if you're going to want your, content to sell, then I think really thinking about how it's going to play in this format is, is, and, and whether a narrator is going to want to do it. Are you going to be able to get a great narrator who is then going to be uncomfortable with, with what's being put before them? Like if you're, if you write like that kind of erotic material, then I think you've got to ask yourself that question. Is it really going to work in audio? And it may not and don't, and therefore I wouldn't waste your money on production um, because it, it probably won't work. But then if you want to be an audio, maybe you tame it down a bit. Um, and I wouldn't suggest doing like a PG version <laughs> and a not PG version of the same thing. Cause that's just confusing. I would like write a different story. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, test, test the market. I mean, that's the beauty of the indie model. I mean, you can really, you can do anything. Um, so that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not so sure about what to say about like urban fantasy, um, except maybe make the books a bit longer. Um, you know, look at the most successful urban fantasy people in audio and see what they're doing. Like what, what is it about the really successful ones that, are, that seem to be just, that seems to be working. Is it, who is their narrator? You know, having, I've just said like, don't look at like, who's the narrator of the thing, other thing, but maybe do. And, you know, really like could maybe consume some content in, in that. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing. Listen to some audiobooks. like try and figure out what, what in your genre uh, people wouldn't listen to. It's yeah, it's interesting how like on the surface you would think, oh, well, yeah, uh, this person has narrated really successful sci-fi books, therefore that's the person you want for sci-fi. But it's a person speaking, so it's you have to match not to the genre but to the tone of the book. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. something I think a lot of people don't think about, particularly not authors who are mostly thinking about the words on the page, not necessarily the voice in the ears. 
But um, all right, so we talked earlier about how Amazon is obviously a fairly dominant force in print and eBooks and audio and every other thing that you can possibly sell. <laughs> Uh, so there's a strong tendency for folks to want to double down and have their books exclusive. And, and the, you know, there is an exclusive option for ACX and Audible if you're, if you're self-publishing. Uh, and it has a higher, uh, you know, uh, royalty. But uh, how large is the audiobook market beyond Audible? And is it worth expanding one's distribution as widely as possible? Well, there are schools of thought, and I, I would love Lindsay's input here as well, because I know, you know, Lindsay has done a lot um, in different places and is very innovative in terms of where, where you're distributing. Um, we, we do um, have an exclusive posture with Audible. Um, it's what we consider to be uh, the best place uh, to maximize income and sales for our authors. Um, being exclusive, yes, it's a higher royalty. And it's unclear if the, the difference between the exclusive royalty and the non-exclusive royalty can be made up by the sales on the other platforms. I mean, that that's the calculus that that one faces, you know, by, by not getting that 15%, are you then going to get 15% more elsewhere and, and again, you know, and above. So, I mean, that, that's, um, it's unclear to me how big the market is off audible. Um, so certainly from our perspective, it's, it's, it's not that big. <laughs> Like, I mean, at Audible, we don't know what size their uh, market dominance they have. You know, people speculate eighty percent, or you know, numbers like that. But I don't, I don't know that. Um, but it is, uh, it, it is clearly the dominant player. And when when you have an ex that exclusive arrangement and are a kind of a, you know, have a favored supplier relationship. Um, we also get great marketing support and we know how powerful, you know, Audible's recommendations and putting stuff in sales and, you know, features and, and how that will build sales and how helpful it is to, um, to the whole picture. So that's another factor in our decision to be exclusive with audible so certainly you know we do have content that is non-exclusive but we haven't had enough data yet to to see kind of what the what the whole picture is but i i you know we with the the non-exclusive content that we have you know we're doing things with chirp just kind of experimenting with them um we've done some discounts where we've got kind of the chirp discount and then on the first book and then the second book in the series also we've done a discount so we can see if we can draw people into a series via that discount or or is it just like banner sales on the the bargain book because you can sell you know if it's 195 you're going to sell a ton of audiobooks but that's not necessarily helpful in driving people into a series so we're definitely experimenting and really interested in, in what the data tells us. Um, but I mean, from my perspective, I think Audible 
is is a powerful seller of audiobooks. I mean, it's what they, you know, the incentive for KU authors is the the benefit, right? The benefit to the positioning and having your your ebook edition put in front of people more is why you might keep it in KU and then you get paid more. So Lindsay, what have you have you got anything to add there in terms of what, what you've been finding? Yeah, I'm never sure what to recommend to people. I think if you're opt-in on Amazon with KU, KDP Select anyway, you should probably just be exclusive to Audible because nobody's looking for your audiobooks on Google Play or, you know, unless you're like me where I have like a lot of my backlist is wide. And I Mm -hmm. actually find that um, I've been non-exclusive with the last couple series I've done on my own through ACX and find a way voices. And I'll get people who are like impatient that the, the book is in the ebook is in KU. And so they buy the audiobook from Google play or whatever, and they become hmm. audiobook listeners. So I, I actually, I feel like I'm making about the same as that 15% that I give up by not being exclusive. So, you know, I do like that. I have the option to play around with those series. Mm-hmm. I made surprisingly decent money uh, from the ads on YouTube with the, mm-hmm. the audiobooks I put on there, and uh, that also drove sales to uh, Audible. So I feel like if you want to play, if you're the kind of person that wants to play around with it and try advertising and being just everywhere you can, then it can make sense. But yeah, if you've got a good deal with Audible and they're, you know, when I just go through ACX, they're not promoting my stuff, but you guys obviously have like their ear a little bit. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's really I think up to each person. Uh, to see what works best for them. All right. Well, let's swing into a few marketing tips here for the the back half of the show. As far as your authors go, what are some of the most successful authors doing? I mean, I know you guys do some marketing, but are there any people that, you know, you can tell they're doing certain things that are also helping uh, move the dial, move the needle or something? What we've... (laughs) The needle, bang the hammer. Um, what, What we've... The strategy that we have adopted um, is really we recognize that the author is the is the pro- is the product basically. Like the author is has the fans. The author is the one that people are looking for, or potentially the narrator. Um, and in the case of like R.C. Bray, it's probably the narrator either on a level or maybe like this. Um, sorry, that was only for your visual people watching. (laughs) Um, So we want to support authors in connecting with their fans and growing their fan base via the audiobooks. And so what we will do with authors is create assets for them to communicate to their core fan base that the audiobook is imminent on pre-order coming like on them with the things that they can then tell their fans about. Um, and so that is, um, MP, you know, um, samples of the audiobook, um, animated cover art with the sample of the audiobook playing. And that can work on, you know, social media on their Facebook page. Um, helping, you know, with some of our authors, we'll, we run their newsletter for them. Um, we'll do giveaways. We'll help with giveaways. We've done, um, pre-order campaigns. We do find pre-orders really pushing the pre-order in audio 
is a really good strategy. And I know that's different from ebook because I think from what I've heard, like on the ebook side, if you don't like get enough pre-orders, then it kind of dies and then Amazon doesn't really pay any attention to it. Am I, is this right? I just made that up out of whole cloth. Well, Amazon uh, specifically, they tend to give you the credit when you make the sale. So if you dilute the sales over like two months that you would have gotten in a week or two at launch, that's where it can kind of, basically you never really get that extra visibility right. and get really high in the rankings. Right. Perfectly summed up. <laughs> that's what I meant. Right. So you're kind of punished. Whereas on the audio side, all of the, all of the audio sales are like stacked up. And so with a big pre-order, you can just like on, on release day, it, it propels the title up the bestseller list. And so it gets huge visibility. I mean, it's, if you can, even if it's just a few hundred in pre-order, you can really make it to the top of the genre bestseller list in audio. And so kind of focusing on uh, making sure that our titles are live with you know a decent amount enough of time so that authors can then share the word of the pre-order with their fans like th these are the things that we are doing you know consistently um making sure so when we've got like a book one launching potentially this is no not necessarily something we always do but where we see that we think something's really going to fly making sure that we've got the second book on pre-order when we launch the first one so that people can immediately go buy, go pre-order the second one. Um, so stacking like that. And then, um, yeah. And then some of the things that are working like on, on social media are ads for our, our, um, animated cover ads get really good click throughs, uh, moving images definitely work better than static images. We don't really do any, like static image ads at this point, it's all, it's all animations. Um, we've, we've grown our own handles. So we have our own channels as well that we use. Um, but really the key thing I think we've been doing to great success lately is, is working through what the authors have. And so we'll, when we bring on a new author, we send a, you know, a marketing checklist, you know, like kind of like, you know, how is your, how well, how well is your car working? Like just kind of focus on some things, you know, optimize front and back matter. We recognize that the better the book is doing, the more likely the audio book will do well. So doing some housekeeping on, um, the ebook listing, you know, making sure that the authors are linking their ebook to the audio. I mean, it's basic stuff, basic, but not everybody does it. And it's amazing how many I'll look at listings. I'm like, good Lord, why is the audiobook not listed, not linked on the product page? And it's not our author, of course, because if it was, they'd be linked. Um, <laughs> but like stuff like that, you know, like kind of best practice stuff. Um, what else? We have, you know, some of our narrators have, well, a lot of them have amazing personalities and so, and some of them use those personalities to do funny things and where it's appropriate, you know, bloopers, uh, Q and A's with the author, potentially, you know, that it takes their time. So we, we have to be respectful of, of the narrator's time, but where we can kind of, um, 
where there's a narrator who is, you know, wants to do something to support an author, then we'll encourage that and help put, put stuff together. Um, we've been doing some panels. We did, uh, we did our first clubhouse event this week. Have you guys been on clubhouse? I have not. I'm not cool enough to have an invitation. I felt, I've heard I mixed, felt really cool. <laughs> I've heard mixed stuff from authors, especially if you're not in the U.S. Like I know Joanna Penn has mentioned, it's very, you have to be in the right time zone or because it's not recorded or anything. Right. It's live. It is live, which is a bit of a bummer, but that's the whole principle of it. But so it doesn't exist after. Um, but yeah, there was a, there's a, it was a nerd. It was a nerd event. Uh, so like a, a person who's got like a, a, a group of like 200,000 people follow this, this it's influencers. Like it's an influencer campaign kind of thing. And it was definitely better attended than some bookstore events I've been to. Um, you know, it was like hundred people, which I don't know. I think that's a good number. Um, so, you know, innovative things we're always thinking about like what else we can do. Um, it's very hard to, it's actually not really possible to advertise with any kind of, um, you know, um, I can't now lose my words cause I need some coffee, but <laughs> attribution, that's the word. Like you can't, you can't get attribution to know if you're, if your, you know, social media ads are actually leading to sales, that is, that is, remains a challenge. So with that said, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's hard to, to say, okay, we're spending, you know, X and we're getting Y in sales. That is not, we don't have that figured out because the technology just doesn't exist. Um, at least not with Amazon. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that ACX, their dashboard, they report sales, but it's usually there'll be a couple of days delayed and then they'll all come in at once and you're like, wow. Yeah, it is it's definitely hard to um to to be able to point to something working. But you one 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 assumes we we think the stuff we we know this works because when we focus on pre-orders and we we marshal the authors, fans, and we get them to do pre-orders, then then that gives us really the push that will then the algorithm and being visible on bestseller list will will then do its job. Now I'm envious because I don't think it's possible to do pre-orders if you're just creating your own through ACX, at least not yet. Uh, I didn't know those actually worked and helped on uh, Audible that much because on Amazon, like we were talking about, sorry, eh. So maybe that's I coming. I, think may, I, I feel like I've seen some ACX authors with, um, with pre-orders. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe if you know someone, because right now it's been, uh, this last year has been really backed up. So a lot of authors are even struggling just to like get the audiobook approved within a couple of months. So it's been, yeah, rough. well, that's, that isn't a, yeah. I mean, that's an advantage we have certainly. I mean, that's kind of something I sort of forget about because it, because I think, well, of course it works that way, but just being able to be strategic and plan, plan our releases, making sure that we're, our releases are spread out in a way that is optimal um, for the platform. 
I would say is another another factor. All right. So um, a great deal of the marketing techniques when it comes to eBooks are focused on pricing, uh, either permanently pricing something low or doing promotional discounts. Do you see much in the way of price promos for audiobooks? Well, there's always, well, not always, there's WhisperSync, right? So if you, if the audiobook is, is WhisperSync to the Kindle, then an author can, you know, you can discount your Kindle to 99 cents and, or like a book bub, say there's a book bub and there's a whisper synced audiobook, we'll see a boost on the audio. And whether that's due to visibility or if it's people actually saying, oh, this is 50% off, which is fundamentally what it is, seven, you know, 49 or some, you know, there are some lower whisper sync prices. Our whisper sync price is 749. Um, so that would be, that's like a key one. And I don't know whether authors kind of draw attention to that, that fact and make the connection with like, okay, this is a 50% off audiobook. I mean, kind of the, the consumer behavior on Audible is very much to always use a credit. So that would tend to, would seem to like contradict what I just said. But that is a way to communicate that you have an audiobook that is a lower price than using a credit. Um, we've done, we've en enrolled a, a number, like a few hundred of our titles in Audible Plus. Um, and we, we did um, a, a buyout arrangement with, with our authors. And that has definitely helped follow on books in the series. So it's kind of put some new attention on, cause some we put, you know, we've definitely some older, older series in it. Um, and it's been great, really great for, and especially for like then new releases in a series. So say where we've got a book one that we put in and, and the author's actually still, still releasing books. The impact has been pretty remarkable on, on the later books. So people definitely want free stuff. <laughs> they do. People like free stuff. This is not new news. This is not earth shattering. Um, so where, where that, that multiple plus like program is, is working. It's, it's, I think it's great for authors and I think it, it will then introduce a new type of listener who just is willing to explore if there's no barrier to entry with cost and then they will just fall in love with the series and they will, you know, buy book four of the dragon blood series when they then see. Um, I'm so, happy to have the, the box set in there right now. I think you said it's had a pretty good boost from that. Yeah. 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 Definitely the later books in the series have been, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great. So, in terms that there isn't a whole lot that obviously we can do in the um, in the Audible ecosystem, but certainly if if an author is wide, then discounts. I mean, people always want to will respond to a sale, um, and so I don't know how you know we obviously with our wide books we're we're going um, you know, through the, through to the platforms. I don't really know how that works for, um, for indies, whether you have reps or you can, you know, get stuff, get audiobooks discounted. 
Um, but certainly where you can do discounts, discounting one book, book one, or even better, books one and two. You know, if you can do a couple of books discounted at the beginning of a, like a six book series, then that's going to drive people into it. So kind of going off of that, I mean, you know, you know, you can set a book, an audio book to be perma-free through, um, find a way voices and all of that. And I audio audible They're They're their own thing, right? Like you were just saying, but do you recommend if an author does choose to set a book free, do you, uh, audio book free, do you recommend that they take the perma-free approach where they keep it free for a long period of time? Or what do you think, do you think it would be better for them to do it as an occasional promotion? I think, I mean, certainly from what I've seen it, I mean, it depends on the platform and how the platform is putting that free material in front of their consumers. I mean, that, cause that's really important too. I mean, the way Audible merchandises the stuff that's in plus is very powerful. If your free audiobook is going to be buried somewhere and, it, and it's not going to be discoverable by anyone, then that's not necessarily the right thing to do. But if, if the platform that you you're making it free on is like, look at all this free stuff, you know, try this thing, then, then I think making it free f- for a longer period is probably the right way to go. Cause then, then you stand more of a chance of more people stumbling upon it. Um, and then having maybe upsell if it uh, definitely f- doing this for a series is, is what makes sense. Um, you know, if you only have one audiobook and nothing to send people to, then it, then it doesn't really make sense. I don't think, but like, if you have, you know, three books, then it's probably worth making one of them free if you can afford it. Um, but if you have six, then I would tend, I mean, you could try to, to do two. I mean, I think the more you can afford to do, the more likely you are going to get people to really commit to the story because they are going to want to finish it. Once they're, once they're through two, two books, they will have to buy book three. If assuming you've done, you, <laughs> you've written a good story, which I'm assuming is the case. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I have loved that strategy with audible plus. I think it's been really powerful. Um, and if, if there's a way to replicate that, um, on other platforms, then I think, it's, it's a winner. Yeah. Audible plus it's still relatively new. And I don't think, again, there's a way to get into it from ACX. Um, but I've definitely noticed as a listener, I've been able to like find not only like, some box sets that aren't special and full novels, but a lot of like novellas and, and short things that you would never buy for a credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious. Cause I know you guys have done some of my, uh, like bonus stories and novellas and put them on odd fans. And I think maybe, one is in uh, Audible Plus right now. Do you find that that's pretty helpful to to kind of create some extra content, or if the author has it, uh, to put it to use like that? Yeah, I mean, I think if it if it can be free, then I think it's um, it's useful to invest in that that audio. I mean, it, it's still money you've got to spend to create it. So if it's you know a few hundred bucks or something like that, then I think it can be an asset. I don't think something short. It's why you'd want to use it for the same thing that you use your ebook freebies for. And, and doesn't, um, um, who, who does the book funnel? Some book funnel, did they have an audio function 
Or is that in beta? Yeah, no, it's, I think it's just come out of beta. They added it just in this last six months or so. So that is an yeah. option now. Yeah. So if you can, if you can use it to build your mailing list for people who like audio content, then I think it makes a lo- loads of sense, loads of sense. But I, that even if you, I think even if you put it out for 99 cents or something, I don't think it would sell. I don't know why I think that, but I think that because for the same reason that you don't put out, you know, short stories for sale for 99 cents, you know, it has to be something, I think it has to be something more than that. So for, for bonus content or for, um, you know, read a magnet, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good investment. All right. So my last question, I've got to let you go to bed here pretty soon. I know it's late over there. Um, and we touched on this a little bit already, but like I said, I noticed that my best selling series are the ones that you guys have done where we bundled the first three books and did like an omnibus, uh, for, for the audiobooks. And cause that makes them like 30 hours instead of nine or 10. And I think you even shared a chart with me once, like a graph. I remember mm-hmm. the sales per, depending on the hour, it was like five, six, seven, they were all kind of low. And then it hit 15 and it was like this huge jump at 15 hours. So I'm curious, would you recommend authors who are doing it on their own or even with a publisher that might, might want to have some say if they should try, like just come right out of the, you know, start, if it's a series, bundle the first two or three books to try to uh, get that longer length. Yeah. I mean, I, it really also depends on the genre. It so depends And epic fantasy. Yeah. I mean, you're competing with really, really long audiobooks. And so if your, if your audiobook is going to be in epic fantasy, it needs to be competitive with George Martin and, you know, the really long guys. So, so where we had like your series that needed to stand up in sword and sorcery and in epic fantasy. And, and so, yes. So making a a three book trilogy bundle was, was the way to launch it, especially at the beginning, like making the first thing be the thing that somebody wants to buy. You know, it's funny when we'll have authors whose first book is like 70,000 and then they went really long with book two. And I'm like, why couldn't you have done the long book for the first book? Um, so it's, yeah, going out with a, with a really winning package that is going to, um, be very credit worthy, be very good value for money and get people addicted to the series is uh is certainly what we do and but if it's romance no you don't need to do that because all the competition is the same i mean it's it's not not the same but it's like within a range right it's like there are some really short ones there's six hours up to sort of 10 but it's rare you see um a romance that is much longer than than 10. And so if, so if you're writing it like a regular ebook length in that genre, then, then the length of the audio is not going to be a problem. Um, in like, you know, space opera, 10 to 12 hours is not dramatically short, but yeah, at 15 hours, it's like really the sales are less, I'm less nervous about it. Let's put it that way. So, okay. So one last question for me. Um, 
Okay. And this is kind of like a catch all just because I, I am just barely starting on audiobooks, And so kind of just interested in hearing what your, your take on this is, but what are some things that like the basic things, basically the things that authors should be doing to help spread the word about their audiobooks? Um, well, really not too different from what you're doing to spread word about your eBooks. Um, I think trying to um, segment your um, your own mailing list to find out like who's into audiobooks, maybe surveying your 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 fans um, that will probably help. Um, so maybe because maybe you don't have anybody who likes audiobooks, and then you really do have to start from scratch. I mean, I I think potentially, you know putting something in your, in your Kindle, like front matter or something like putting some, putting it in front of people that this, this is available and that you can add it by whisper sync or, you know, for X and you can do just making it super obvious. You know, sometimes I think about, you know, even like using your work description to say, Oh, and by the way, this is, you know, new in audio, voiced by whoever, Gary Bennett, sexy voice, <laughs> things like that. Um, what else? And then cross-referencing. So where you have, if you have like a really, and we, we've, we're starting to do more of this and starting to be more proactive about doing this because we have a lot of authors with a lot of like other series that we want to tell. We have advertising real estate, not, not that we're going to advertise a different author's book, but we're going to advertise the same author's book. So where we've got an author with a best-selling series, we're going to put upsell to that author's other series in our new release. So we're going to say, you know, and we'll put a sample in and it might be a different narrator and it might be a different genre but you've got people at the end of an audiobook who have enjoyed that author's stuff. And instead of having them wait for the next thing in the series, they can go and listen to a different series by that author. So like you would, so the same strategies that you would do an ebook, um, you can, well, we can do I don't know how easy it is in ACX, but certainly that's, that's a strategy that we have, we have been um, actively pursuing and doing. Um, what else? I can't, uh, what are the other ideas I have for spreading the word? Kind of, does that, is that helpful? Yeah, no, definitely helpful. I like that idea that, that last one, I'm like, oh, that's work. I got it. I got to do it though. <laughs> it that is great. the work. Yeah. But that's the thing. And then I, like I said, like, you know, we, we're, we're definitely like committing to the work of thinking like, okay, here's what we've got coming. Here's what we had. We've got to do the work of editing and edit, but it's, it's, it's just, it's just doing five more steps that'll hopefully pay off. Yeah. I've actually wondered about that with audiobooks Cause I always, at the end of the ebook, put the link to the next ebook in the series and say the name of it and everything. And like, you almost never hear that listening to an audiobook. You're just like, Oh, maybe I'll go check and see if there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. seems, seems like, and I don't know if maybe audible 
has some rules around that with like excerpts and uh, or uh, we'll even find out. <laughs> yeah, well, let, I would love to hear it. Let us know. Because, <laughs> yeah. like I said, I just never really hear it from traditional published stuff, and I don't know if I've heard it from indies either. So maybe Audible has been kind of not allowing it or something. But well, it's I will say it's it's not the simplest thing to execute because you do have to for 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 us we have you know the library of all the files and everything, and we have you know an editor we have a mastering engineer and we have like the people to actually to do it um because it, it is like the steps of thinking like for your Lindsay, for your for your um next book that we do the next star kingdom book like we could we should think about what we want to send people to and it's not necessarily that series maybe we send them to a different one um, we could do a little test. Let's do it. Yeah, for sure. When you've got like an eight book series that's complete, you might as well be like, hey, by the way, why don't you read this yeah. one too? Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 um, let's pick. Um, uh, now, not Dragon Blood because that's already doing fine by itself. But um, one of the other ones. Well, you made a good point too about mentioning it in the back of the ebook. I think I actually have done that for the Dragon Blood Omnibus because I've had that free as an ebook for a long time. And mm -hmm. I think I've got it in the back, like, hey, if you want the audiobook too, you can get it here. And I, I almost never remember to do that, but it's interesting how many of my readers I know will pick up the ebook and the audiobook. Like they they like both. So Yeah. You yeah. can't assume that just because they read it, they don't want the audiobook. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, and that's your space. That's your that's your billboard. All right. Well, we've had you for over an hour, so we better let you go. <laughs> it looks very dark outside your window there. It is. It is. It is ten fifteen. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, let us know um, where they can find you, and if Podium is Podium open to Audio, PodiumAudio dot com. Yeah. Podium Audio uh, on where our website. We have a uh, form if you want to get in touch. Um, Facebook, follow us. We also do a newsletter. We do a lovely, lovely segmented newsletter. So if you want to know about Podium's new releases, go to our website. You can sign up for our newsletter and we will not spam you. We will send about one email a week, potentially, maybe, maybe one a month. Um, and you'll see what fun stuff we do, um, in our marketing. And we're also on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter. Doing all the things. And, and you said things. you are you are always open for people to submit if they have an ebook already produced and yeah. selling yeah. decently. <laughs> yes, yes. If it's yes, please, if it's selling decently. Yeah, I mean if you if I always hope that people will put themselves in our shoes and think about whether this is a, a work that will support um the audio, an audio like audience. Um, but yeah, um, we have, like I said, we have a form on our website that you can, you can get in touch and send us a link to your stuff and we'll take a look and let you know. Awesome. Yeah. Or it's not, not inexpensive to, uh, produce those audiobooks, especially <laughs> if you're going to do three before releasing. Yeah, it's going to be 30 hours. That's a lot of, that's a lot that's, of hours. That's a big yeah, or, talk to, or talk to your fellow, uh, fellow author friends, you know, at this point we, I think we publish, I don't know, 700 authors or something. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of authors out there who can hopefully recommend us. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for answering our questions and thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes and leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six and podiumaudio.com if you want to check out Podium Audio. (laughs) Good night, everyone, or good day whenever you're listening. Talk to y'all later. So long, everybody.